to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. The Civil War is full of big numbers, but often the only way to come to grips with it is on an individual scale. That means learning the stories of people like Thomas Wallace Colley, Company D, 1st Virginia Cavalry. I'd never heard of him, you probably haven't either, but I'm unlikely to forget him after reading his memoirs and letters, collected by author Michael Schaefer under the title, In Memory of Self and Comrades, Thomas Wallace Colley's Recollections of Civil War Service in the 1st Virginia Cavalry. We'll talk with Michael Schaefer tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath. Emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you tonight from the Civil War Talk Radio World Headquarters Annex on Oxford Road in Greenville, North Carolina, near but not actually on the campus of East Carolina University, where I spend my days. Here's where I spend the evenings, usually uh, not speaking for ECU or any of its component organizations, nor will my guest speak for anything but himself, as we always do. It is the last week of classes in spring 2019, middle of April 2019, Uh, Lots of news on campus this past week to share with you if you're curious what it's like working at a large, uh, regionally, directionally named uh, public university. Uh, 
And the first news, uh, uh, sadly, is, is very bad news. We suffered a tragedy this past week in that uh, two students were killed and two injured in a car crash driving from here down to South Carolina. That is you know, every parent's nightmare, every everyone's nightmare that somebody like they know and love would be involved in that. Uh, I did not know the students directly. I know people who knew them, but it is a, a terrible thing and, and just shocking when it happens. Statistically, it happens every day, I suppose, but uh, r- really uh, an unfortunate thing and, and uh, very sad for the university. Uh, in university uh, political news, politics never stops. Our chancellor's seat uh, now has a new interim chancellor. Uh, chancellor Staten will be going out this summer or next month, I think. And a new interim chancellor has finally been appointed. Uh, not anyone, well, someone whose name was, was being rumored. He was he's the head of the Golden Leaf Foundation, which is a, a uh, public foundation that takes in the dollars from the tobacco settlement uh, a decade or two ago and uses them to spend on worthy projects around the state. So the the person coming in is not a uh, upper, not a higher education person, but a high finance person. And we think he's here because our outgoing chancellor has said ECU is in fine shape and the Board of Governors, or at least one particular member on the Board of Governors of the state system, insists that ECU's finances are terrible, they're crumbling, it's awful. So, which is true, it looks like the UNC system president has picked a finance guy to come here and not being beholden to anyone else, uh, give him a third view and tell tell him and maybe, maybe us too what's really going on. Are the finances in as bad shape as as we're being told by one source, or are they really as good as they ought to be? So we'll find out. In uh, still more local news, down to the department level, East Carolina University's chapter of Phi Alpha Theta, the history honors uh, organization, dominated the recent regional meeting. Uh, students of Phi Alpha Theta give papers at these meetings, like at an academic conference, and they are judged on their quality. And I'm happy to recognize uh, Brian Henry and Kristen O'Lear, two uh, the ECU graduate students who collaborated on a paper, one best in session and also best overall graduate paper. I had the pleasure of working with these two in a uh, directed study project they did that was origin of this paper there among the best graduate students I've had the opportunity to work with in 15 years and I'm delighted that they uh, won this prize and look forward to them publishing uh, in the future. Our baseball team didn't do as well, uh, played at number one National number one UCLA last weekend, lost all three games, came back to North Carolina in a bad mood yesterday and crushed Elon with five runs in the first inning. So we think the pirate ship is back on course. And East Carolina, in national news, defeated Penn State in a online competition to name the best college bar in the country. Uh, the winner was Sup Dogs on 5th Street in downtown Greenville which is a hot dog, fast food place in the day, beer, 
a bar outside seating at night and uh, the food is good. I don't hang out there at night, as you can imagine. It would be weird for a professor to do that. But the hot dogs and hamburgers are fine, and the atmosphere is, is suitably collegiate, and it has a wonderful backstory of having been built by a ECU graduate right out of school who tragically was killed in a fire trying to save his dogs. Uh, but his brother took the bar over, kept it going, and now it's thriving, and uh, and got voted in this national competition. Uh, it was like a final four, like a, a March Madness thing, where different bars competed to get the most votes on Twitter. And I think maybe it was the anti-Penn State vote as much as the pro-ECU vote that got subdogs to win, but we're very happy. And speaking of local cuisine, uh, one last item to mention, uh, and that is to thank all of you who contributed to the Civil War Talk Radio uh, book and other things fund over the year. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned the idea of uh, a monthly donation. Go to www.impedimentsofwar.org, put in, uh, go to the PayPal button, and you can arrange to give a small amount, say $3 a month. If you enjoy all four shows, you're getting each one for less than a dollar each month. I think April is, well, five shows, another bonus. And my thinking is... Uh, that if, if enough people do this, let's say three people do this at $3 a month, that's $9, enough to buy a sandwich at Mike's Deli, uh, probably the number four uh, turkey melt is my preference. And after mentioning this, the donations poured in, we're now at 89%, two $3 and one $2 uh, contribution at, at the monthly level. So we're at 89% on the Civil War Talk Radio monthly sandwich drive. If one more of you can come up with $3 a month, uh, or two or even one at this point, that will be enough. Uh, if you go big, $5 a month, I could get the Mediterranean platter instead. Uh, and anything more than that, and I will take you to lunch at Mike's Deli when you come to visit me here in Greenville, North Carolina. And no, Mike's Deli is not a sponsor of the show. They don't pay anything. They do not know the show exists. I just go there for lunch because they're across the street from the Brewster building. So... What else is happening here at Civil War Talk Radio? Next week, Brad Gottfried returns to the show to talk about Point Lookout, the legendary uh, federal prison camp. On May 1st, we start a new month with uh, Amy Morell Taylor and her award-winning book on slave refugee camps called Embattled Freedom. On May 8th, Joan Cashin talks about the artifacts, the material culture of the war, in a book called War Stuff. And on May 15th, uh, following the practice of naming books after just what they're about, Gary Gallagher has edited a book of photos of Civil War places, and the book is called Civil War Places. Uh, it'd be good if you could all watch that as well as listen to it, because the pictures are great. But it's a really interesting book, uh, and Gary is a fascinating talker. Most of you have heard him lecture at some point. He's really good. Uh, you can also see him at the Civil War Institute this summer, June 14th through 19th at Gettysburg College. Discounts for uh, listeners to this show. And uh, one other announcement uh, that absolutely I need to make, I've been reminded that this uh, September will be the 2019 Civil War Roundtable of Congress. Uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. It's an annual meeting of uh, 
members of Civil War roundtables from around the country who want to share best practices, find out how to grow your organization, get interesting guests, uh, do interesting things. And they've held these congresses for a couple of years now. They've been very successful. So this one's coming up September 20 through 22 of 2019 in St. Louis. There will be events at the Missouri Civil War Museum, uh, tours through historic Jefferson Barracks, the U.S. Grant National Historic Site, uh, all kinds of things. I'll tell you more about it another time. Let's get to our guest. We've taken much too long just chit-chatting here. Uh, Michael Schaefer is our guest tonight. He is the editor of In Memory of Self and Comrades, Thomas Wallace Colley's Recollections of Civil War Service in the 1st Virginia Cavalry. Mr. Schaefer, are you there? Jerry, good evening. Good evening. Welcome. Am I, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Is it Schaefer? Schaefer? Yes, that's correct. Yes, uh, Schaefer. congratulations. <laughs> okay. Yes, pronunciation I, is correct, and the same with Colley. Yeah. Two for two. Very good. Uh, I yeah. apologize. An earlier episode, I think I said you were returning to the show. We had a different Michael Schaefer on, uh, spelled differently a couple of years ago. But uh, this is your first visit, and welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Well, thank you very much. And in listening to your opening comments, I'm certainly saddened to hear of the um, mm. passing of the two ECU students in the automobile accident. It, it, it's just one of those things that just hits you in a community of 29,000, 30,000 students, I guess, you know, this kind of thing happens. It doesn't happen every year, though, and it is shocking when it does and uh, right. very sad. And, uh, but it, it sort of points out the the contrast between uh, the world we live in today and that of, uh, of Thomas Colley, which is... Uh, filled with reminders that life is a very short and uh, uh, precious thing because uh, we learned, uh, just looking at the picture on the cover, this man sitting with his crutches, uh, his empty pant leg where his foot uh, used to be, he clearly has encountered a lot of the dangers of the war, and he he writes about them in great detail. How did you come across the story of uh, Thomas Wallace Colley? Well, that particular uh, portion of the journey, Jerry, is almost as fascinating as as Tom Colley's story in and of itself. I was invited to speak at a church uh, in Washington County, Virginia, back in July of 2016. So uh, I traveled up. I live live in Kennesaw. I'm sure many of your listeners are very familiar with the the battle fought at Kennesaw Mountain in June of 1864. But Mm -hmm. so my wife and I went up and uh, we walk into the church and a lady comes up to me and introduces herself. And she said, after the program, would you mind coming out to my car? Uh, My family and I have something we think you may have an interest in. So, you know, we fast forward a little bit, program's over, we go outside. She opens up the trunk of her car and tells me to hold my arms out. So one by one, and the stack continues to grow taller, and eventually I say, what do we have here? And she said, these are my great-grandfather's handwritten accounts of his service during the war and his life afterwards. And if you have an interest, 
um, myself, my family, we would like for you to take these journals, uh, as Tom called them, and perhaps get them published in, in his memory. And, you know, I, I thought I was going to fall over in the parking lot, you know, <laughs> things like this literally, literally just, you know, fall out of the, of the sky. And, you know, I told her, yes, I'm definitely interested. And, and, um, so that's how the journey began. And it really has proven to be quite a, a, a special trip. Uh, I've gotten what? to meet since the book came out at the end of October. I've gotten to meet so many of his descendants. So it's an interesting, uh, interesting beginning, and of you know what now we're going to talk about his his life. Well, we're going to do that. We're going to take a short break first, get some announcements in, and come back and talk about the life of Thomas Wallace Colley. We're talking tonight with editor Michael K. Schaefer, who has put together In Memory of Self and Comrades, Thomas Wallace Colley's Recollections of Civil War Service in the 1st Virginia Cavalry. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Variety Channel. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. 
and welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Michael Schaefer, editor of In Memory of Self and Comrades, Thomas Wallace Colley's Recollections of Civil War Service in the 1st Virginia Cavalry. We found out at the end of the first section that this trove of memoirs, of letters, of documents uh, literally fell, uh, Michael, it literally fell into your hands, you said, uh, from a descendant. Had you ever heard of, of Thomas Colley before that? I was vaguely familiar with him, Jerry. Uh, my first book that came out in early 2012 was on Washington County, Virginia, during the war. I was actually living in the county at that point in time, and mm-hmm. I had referenced uh, a couple of of. Tom's quotations that I had found in other sources, but certainly I had no idea that this treasure trove of information exists. So what did you do when you got all this material? How, how does, uh, and this might happen to one of our listeners someday, suddenly a relative or a friend says, I got the Civil War stuff and, and you're interested, here you go. <laughs> uh, what yeah. do you do next? Well, <clears throat> it started with... Uh, Honesty, Jerry. Uh, I told the great-granddaughter, I said, you know, with my schedule right now, this was July 2016. I told her, I said, most likely I will not get an opportunity to start work on this until October. And she smiled and said, no problem. We've had them for almost 100 years. (laughs) No, No rush. So, um, you know, I I wanted to start on an honest uh, playing field. Mm. And uh, so once I I actually got into the project, um, I'm so thankful that Tom's handwriting was Mm. absolutely beautiful. And, you know, you and I, and I'm sure many of your listeners have transcribed a lot of other Documents, letters, et cetera, written during the war, and often it's Mm -hmm. virtually impossible to try to read the handwriting. But but Tom's handwriting actually is far better than mine. And Mm -hmm. uh, so the transcription part was not terribly difficult. You know, sitting, it was time-consuming, but, you know, reading his words and entering them into the computer, and once all of that was done, and obviously I was working with the, the publisher of the University of Tennessee, and selecting images, and I contracted with George Stoke uh, to produce uh, nine maps for the book. So, you know, you're juggling a lot of different balls at the same time. You're working on the manuscript, you're having maps produced, you're securing permission to use images, and I started doing some more research to find out what else might be out there. And uh, I discovered uh, that since my Washington County book came out in 2012. There was a gentleman there in Washington County who had had purchased um, all of the remaining uh, letters, original letters that Tom wrote during the war. And he had passed away. He was a graduate of Virginia Tech and uh, many, many, many years ago. But Mm -hmm. he had listed in his will that he wanted all of his Civil War collection, including Tom's letters, to go to the archives at Virginia Tech, so I contacted their archival department and went up, and um, they had probably close to 50 uh, original letters that Tom wrote uh, during the war. Handwriting was not quite as good 
mm-hmm. then as it became later, but it's still fairly easy. So uh, all those letters are included as an appendix uh, in, the, in the book. There are several different uh, appendix sections. So, mm-hmm. you know, all these things sort of going on simultaneously, uh, transcribing, editing, annotating, Maps, images, additional research, et cetera, et cetera. So, it, but it, it it was a it was not work. It was truly a pleasure. You mentioned the uh, maps by George Skoke, and I just want to call out uh, his maps are are great. I think I didn't mention him by name last week when we were talking about uh, Susanna uh, Ural's book on Hood's Texas Brigade, but I'm pretty sure that George did the maps for that book too. He's he's one of the two or three uh, people who do the book maps for all the books, along with Hal Jesperson and maybe one or two others. Uh, and his yeah. maps are great. And, and the, in your book, they really do add to uh, to the events you describe or the colleague describes. Uh, so, so excellent choice on a map maker. I want to ask about uh, the, the, the business about publishing. That's another question that people might have if you – come across a trove of letters or, or something, you know, a great diary and, and you think, I want to share this with the Civil War world, uh, you can go to uh, publishing houses that will publish whatever you bring them, pretty much, uh, for a fee, but this is published by it's University of Tennessee Press. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, an academic press, a legitimate uh, kind of thing that, that a reader knows Somebody besides the author thinks this is good. Some some editor thought this was mm-hmm. worthwhile. So how how did that work for you? Did you just call them up and say, "Hey, I've got some great letters here"? Uh, how how did that process unfold? Uh, yes, uh, eventually that is exactly how things move <laughs> forward. I was aware that the University of Tennessee they have a, a specific series entitled "Voices of the Civil War," and mm-hmm. that series is geared toward things like this, memoirs, diaries, collections of letters, etc. Before I contacted them, I had worked with John Kosky. I, I, I know that you oh, yeah. know John. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in, at the museum in Richmond, I had worked with him back uh, several years ago when I was putting the first book together, and and John had was kind enough to provide me with materials for that one. So, I, I you know, I, like, I wanted to bounce the idea in my mind off of someone else and so I called John and we talked about he was excited to hear because he was aware of, of Tom Colley they actually have some uh, memorabilia in their in their collection that Tom donated to the museum many years ago and um, he and I quickly were on the same page yes University of Tennessee Voices of the Civil War Michael mm-hmm. Gray the series editor he probably will jump at this and Michael and I had one uh, very brief very productive conversation on the phone Uh, he was very very interested and so the process began and and uh, that's how we ended up with um, eventually uh, you know roughly Mm -hmm. almost two years after we had that first conversation until the book came out at the end of October this past October well, it, it I can see why uh, Michael Gray, the series editor, would have been excited about this because, uh, and, and I'm sure listeners, you probably had this happen as well. You sometimes you'll you'll see a book maybe at a, a 
Battlefield Bookstore, something, someplace local. It'll be a collection of letters or accounts from a local person. And it turns out every diary entry is just about the day's weather and uh, how far they marched, perhaps. Useful data, but not, not fascinating uh, bedtime reading. Uh, Tom Colley, on the other hand, is quite a character. He, he has a story to tell. Uh, I, I guess I was struck by how pugnacious this guy was. He, he likes to fight Yankees, but he seems to fight a lot of people. Yes, that's a very, <laughs> it's a very good observation, uh, Jerry. I think Tom, as you know, we would probably, well, they probably would say it back then, and, and we occasionally say it today. I think in many ways he, he had it somewhat of a mean streak mm-hmm. uh, in, his, uh, in his composition. Uh, several different times, um, you know, various soldiers that he served with, uh, including, I found his obituary, uh. Uh, believe it or not, of all, all places at Appalachian State University in Boone, right in there in, hmm. in the Tar Hill State uh, where yep. you are. And um, they don't know who gave it to them, when they had it, when they received it. Uh, they just know they've had it for a long time. But in the writings, uh, as actually part of the obituary, and this, I think, is probably as good a way to answer your, your question, uh, this particular soldier that wrote Tom's obituary went into great detail about, uh, you know, Tom uh, knew no fear. He was always mm-hmm. the first one to go charging in the battle, sometimes uh, unwisely. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think he just, uh, you know, if fighting was going on anywhere around, uh, he did not want to miss it. And um, so, you know, you talked a lot about uh, ECU, and I appreciate getting caught up what's, uh, uh, <laughs> with what's going on on the campus there. But it reminds me, and your listeners will appreciate this, I'm sure many of them are still remember the snowmageddon that we had here in atlanta a couple of years yes. ago that made <laughs> worldwide news and embarrassed everyone so now and I, I use this in a lot of talks and you mentioned the civil war roundtable congress coming right. up in, in st louis i've i've spoken to, to many roundtables so far across the country and i've got many many more scheduled but mm-hmm. i've started using this uh in describing tom now, here in, in Georgia, in the metropolitan Atlanta area, if there's a forecast of snow, you know, from mm-hmm. Kennesaw State University, they're very good. I get an email, I get a text message to my phone, mm-hmm. and I get a recorded message. And all of them always begin with, out of an abundance of caution, uh, and then you know what's coming next. This is going to close tomorrow, this is going to close, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell groups... I don't believe Tom Colley did anything out of an abundance of caution. Uh, I, I think he did perhaps things in the extreme opposite direction. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, especially if someone's shooting at you and trying to do harm to you, if you're the first to just go rushing in, and on several different occasions, he would go, you know, rushing forward. He was in the cavalry, and obviously they'd ride up, and he typically would dismount, and his boots hit the ground, and he looks around, and he's by himself. 
You know, what saves it for me it, that he's he's he rushes ahead in battle. He he enjoys it seems uh, shooting at the, the the Yankee skirmish line. And you do get the sense he, he's, he has a mean streak. He, he may not be the nicest guy, but his writing style redeems mm. that. Uh, just to give one example, he the, the time he had malaria and he was in the hospital, or they were going to send him to the hospital, he doesn't want to go to the hospital because you know we all know the Civil War hospitals were death traps. And so mm-hmm. he, he pulls out his pistol and, and he writes, I knew all the ambulance drivers did not have much ambition for a sudden and tragic death. Uh, and mm-hmm. indeed, they leave him alone because he's got his pistol drawn and says, I'm not going to the hospital. Uh, but it's that understatement, that style of writing that uh, that I think makes him makes it entertaining to read about his uh, sometimes ill-advised actions. Yes, he, he you know, was actually quite descriptive and, and some of his writings... Uh, in many ways, remind me of something you know Sam Watkins might have penned in Company H, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, just the way he he describes something, you know, he will not just simply talk about uh, you know what life was like as a, as a soldier. Um, you know, one of my favorite uh, descriptions that that he composed and. Uh, he was writing about this uh, sort of in conjunction with his almost uh, mortal wound mm-hmm. at Kelly's Ford on St. Patrick's Day in 1863. And, and uh, you know, I, can I take 30 seconds just to read a little brief little well, sure, passage, that, that maybe to give the listeners? Um, well, he, he, again, this is sort of at the end of the section where he's already described everything that happened at Kelly's Ford. And he's sort of, in closing, he's describing, you know, what soldier life truly was like. And and he says, To us who had to face the angers of battlefields with the long night vigils on the lone picket posts in rain, sleet, and mud, cold and hungry on the long marches, weary and aching with stiffened limbs on the account of, of, of exposure night and day, and sleeping on the cold, damp ground or on the soft side of a fence rail. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty detailed description. No, that really does give you a, a sense. He does not pull punches. It's worth noting, he. this is uh, a post-war writing, like like Sam Watkins' uh, famous uh, Company H. He's, he's writing this from from his notes taken during the war. He had a journal, apparently, but that's not the... This is not his his wartime journal, but his post war uh, memoir. Is that safe? Is that is that a good characterization? Yes, it is. And uh, actually, he did have a diary um, that he carried during the war. And mm-hmm. uh, John Kosky has that in their archives. And and I've had a chance to um, to go through uh, the diary. And much like you explained to the listeners earlier sort of like your standard diary, one day's entry might have read, it rained today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, basically just capturing, uh, probably not insignificant if you're out riding in the rain, but it was not uh, major comprehensive accounts of really anything. And um, so he began writing, 
you know, after the war. And a lot of it he wrote from memory. Uh, and he didn't, he didn't sometimes trust his own memory. There were some other veterans from the 1st Virginia Cavalry that lived in southwestern Virginia that he had opportunities to speak with. And occasionally he would write sections and he would let them look over it to make sure he got it right. Um, there was one in particular, he was a surgeon in the 1st Virginia. His name was Mike Ireson. And he lived not too far from Tom. And Tom and Mike would get together quite often, and, and Mike would read over whatever Tom had written. And, um, you know, if, if, if Tom had misremembered something, Mike would help him with it. So there's several times uh, throughout uh, the narrative that, that Tom, you know, will mention Mike, and he'll say something along the lines of, you know, Mike Ireson reminds me that, this particular soldier did this or was or was not present at whatever battle. So uh, he mentions Mike on, on several different occasions. So so he took some time to, to make sure that this is reasonably accurate. We'll talk more about that fact and some of the other really remarkable things that uh, Thomas Colley has to say in his memoir called In Memory of Self and Comrades, Thomas Wallace Colley's Recollections of Civil War Service in the 1st Virginia Cavalry. It's edited by Michael K. Schaefer, our guest tonight. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu.edu. 
That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking tonight with Michael K. Schaefer, editor of In Memory of Self and Comrades, Thomas Wallace Colley's Recollections of Civil War Service in the 1st Virginia Cavalry. The book is a collection not only of the, the post-war account of uh, Colley's service, which ends with his uh, third wound during the war, uh, one that leads to the loss of his foot at Hawes' shop in May of 1864. In addition to that, there are uh, several appendices. One contains uh, transcriptions of letters that he wrote during the war, and others are uh, rosters of the men in his company, but they are annotated rosters in which he describes a little bit about uh, each soldier. And uh, Michael, there was one here that really struck me because it speaks to what you and I and anyone else who reads Civil War sources has to encounter in terms of uh, what to believe. Uh, He's mentioning uh, uh, Theo Clapp who was uh, mentioned in general orders by Jeb Stewart. And uh, Kali writes, None of the company has ever been able to tell how or for what. Nine-tenths of the men composing the company performed as heroic acts as he, of which there was no notice taken. Uh, But he is the only one in the company ever brought to notice by a general order. So when we read the, the official records and they, they recognize so-and-so, I, I must mention the bravery of so-and-so, here's Tom Colley to remind us nine-tenths of the guys did the same thing. They just didn't get mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah, that's a great, I, I think, great piece. It, yes, it's interesting that, Jerry, that I, I think, Tom, because he mentions that on more than one occasion, and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can sort of sense perhaps not only for Tom, but maybe some of the other troopers in the First Virginia, maybe they were a little bit jealous of, of Clapp. Uh, mm-hmm. He got his name in the report, and they did not. So uh, <laughs> that seemed to to stick with Tom because, uh, you know, he, he mentions it more than once. <laughs> yes. Now, now he talks um, a great deal about being wounded uh, the, the, the wound he suffered at Kelly's Ford, a, a ball in the abdomen, which normally would be fatal. Uh, and we, we had uh, Sean and Devine to talk about uh, wounds and, and medicine in the Civil War a few weeks ago, and uh, the likelihood of infection, gangrene, was, was very high. I thought his description of, of the experience of being wounded and, and the treatment and what happened afterwards was really... Uh, both graphic, but but very, uh, it, it's as close as, as one would ever want to come to having that experience yourself. Uh, yes, and it, it, it's a miracle that he lived from that mm-hmm. one. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the people uh, with the National Museum of Civil War Medicine in, in, in Maryland, uh, they found out about Tom's story, and, and they've invited me to do a program there later this year. But they've mm-hmm. read his accounts, and they're astonished. I mean, a mini ball enters your left side uh, about halfway down the midsection, probably broke some ribs, too. The mini ball travels into the midsection to about your navel. 
Uh, how, what it struck, we have no idea. It deflects and comes out his back uh, just mm-hmm. a fraction of an inch from his spine. Well, in 19th century medical knowledge, um, a wound like that, you're dead. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. nothing. They can't open you up and, and do any type of you know internal surgery. Mm-hmm. And uh, how he survived that, and he probably speculated himself the rest of his life. And, you know, later he became a Christian, and I think that probably saved him. He was on a mm-hmm. pretty dark path, uh, suffering more than likely from post-traumatic stress disorder, as we know it today. They did not understand that. They didn't call it that during the mm-hmm. American Civil War. But, um, you know, he he often would remember, um, you know, that St. Patrick's Day, and as he would always reference it time and time again uh, in his writings, when I was left on the field for dead. Every time he mentions Kelly's Ford, that phrase mm-hmm. is going to be somewhere very close by. And and you're right. He, he gives a rather graphic detail. But, you know, I've, I've told several people, I guess, I've, you know, thankfully, I've never come that close to losing my life before. But mm-hmm. I guess if any of us experience something like that, and you think literally he's lying there in the floor of the Wheatley farmhouse for days and days and days and days, not knowing if he's going to live to see the next hour. So I guess if one went through an experience like that and you survive, uh, you probably are going to recall in quite vivid detail everything. Um, And he he certainly did. He he does, and he he describes it for us. Uh, You mentioned, and I want to ask you about this, his post-war life, uh, when he comes to write this, you know, after the war, he, he has lost everything. He's a very... Uh, ardent Southern patriot. He he believes the North is unjustly invading his state. He clearly believes in a racial hierarchy that that seems natural to him, and he doesn't understand why others are trying to upset it. And after the war, that's all gone. Uh, uh, the society is upturned. Independence is lost. He's lost whatever economic basis he has. And, and you write in your introduction that, that PTSD seems a likely diagnosis, uh, along with alcoholism. He's, he really suffers right after the war. Yes, and, and, you know, I give him credit. You know, once he got his life turned around, uh, he was almost as graphic in describing the horrible life he was leading uh, as he We're was losing your audio describing here. It's getting all fuzzy. Uh, Oh, there you go. You're back. Can you hear me? Is that back? back. Okay. Um, He's he's almost as graphic in describing his his, um, wretched life as he referenced it once. Um, He basically, you know, was very truthful. He didn't pull any punches, same as his Mm -hmm. description of the wound at Kelly's Ford. You know, he, he virtually lived in a bottle. Uh, you know, was intoxicated almost 24 hours a day, had an incredibly violent temper, uh, probably even magnified over the, uh, you know, the lack of an abundance of caution during the war. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even when he was serving a period of time as deputy sheriff of Washington County, uh, 
and you know that job requires one to carry a, a firearms, mm-hmm. and he was serving uh, during Reconstruction. And, uh, you know, many accounts of Reconstruction, not only in Virginia, but in, in other states in the various military districts and a lot of rural areas, which Washington County certainly was, uh, it was almost a, a state of lawlessness. So here you have Tom, a representative of the law enforcement, but yet if someone looks at him in what he perceives to be maybe not the correct way, he was very quick to draw his pistol out. and But often, usually, he would catch himself and maybe cooler head would prevail and he'd holster the pistol and ride on. But um, I think two things probably saved him. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I'm in the middle of reading a fascinating book now on federal veterans after the war uh, that for a lot of different reasons eventually committed suicide. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I certainly can't say that Tom Colley would have committed suicide, but he was not headed in the right direction by any means. And I think two things probably turned him around. Uh, he was married on Christmas Day in 1872. He mm-hmm. and his wife eventually had 12 children. They lost four of them shortly after childbirth, which was all too common in that part of the 19th century. But he had a very large and loving, supportive family. He eventually joined the church. You know, he became a Christian. He actually mm-hmm. served as superintendent of the Sunday schools. He was a delegate. It was a Methodist church. He was a delegate to the annual conference, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, you know, those two things, the Christianity and the family, helped him turn his life around um, or we maybe would have never had his writings that we're talking about this evening. I mean, we, who knows? Right. What about a third factor? He becomes active in the United Confederate Veterans. He has a few pieces of correspondence with, with Fitz Lee that he cherishes. Uh, he, he's very proud of his role as a veteran. And, and of course, he writes this, this memoir. Uh, do you think that helped give some, some shape to his life in, in this dark time? I believe it did, and that's another interesting thing. I've talked with some people that are, you know, currently treat our our servicemen and women, you know, Mm -hmm. returning from whatever country they're serving in, suffering still from amputations and various other things, including PTSD. And, um, you know, one of the traits that they all share, the last thing they want to do is hang out with people they served with, and they certainly do not want to write about it. Uh, so Tom, um, even while he was still probably struggling somewhat with, you know, the aftershock of war, liked to be around his old comrades, as he always called them. And, and he did mm-hmm. start two United Confederate Veterans Camps, one when he had moved his family to Henry, South Carolina for a couple of years. And then when they came back to Virginia in late 1899, he started uh, a second camp and was very involved and served several different offices and sort of became the scribe uh, for both of those camps. And um, now I understand why his handwriting was probably better than everybody else's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He also educated himself after the war, too, didn't he? 
Yes, and I learned a great I To be honest, I had never heard of the Bryant and Stratton Business College before. Uh, I, actually, I don't think it exists today. Uh, it may exist in some fashion after several different mergers, but mm-hmm. quickly, it's a fascinating story. The college was started by two former federal veterans who were wounded severely in 1863, so their war career is done. They go back home. They were in Pennsylvania. I don't recall exactly where in Pennsylvania, but they started talking about, you know, hopefully sooner or later this horrible war is going to end. And how are these soldiers, blue and gray, going to get a higher education? They're, they can't pass an entrance exam, and even if they could, they could never afford the tuition. Tom Colley probably could have done neither, passed right. the entrance exam, could I don't. I think his odds of passing the entrance exam to get into the University of Virginia were probably zero. Had he mm-hmm. passed the exam, he would have never been able to afford to have attended UVA. So these two federal veterans start with one location. By 1870, when Tom decides to go, they've got several locations in the country. The closest one for Tom is in Baltimore. So he went up to Baltimore, enrolled himself. There was no entrance exam. And for the course of, for the fee of $50, that entitled mm-hmm. one to one year of instruction. And he was there for about a year and a half. And he took a lot of different courses. The ones, thankfully, that he favored and took multiple courses in were penmanship. Uh, and he took, well, that, he took that, some that, accounting that courses. Off, and, uh, in that, that yeah. we can now read what he had to write. I say, unfortunately, Michael, we are out of time, and we're going to have to move on uh, and just tell our listeners uh, that you will want to read the recollections, uh, the book called In Memory of Self and Comrades, Thomas Wallace Colley's Recollections of Civil War Service in the First Virginia Cavalry. Uh, not every memoir makes you want to keep turning the pages. This, this, this guy is, is the character. Uh, as, as Michael and I have talked about tonight, you'll enjoy reading about him. Uh, and Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jerry, very, very much. My pleasure. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.